podcast and so you're an author now. How did you find the experience of writing? It's like to be an author, it's a new job for you uh, at this point in your life. What, what well, you the writing I like quite. What I didn't like is to look back at my life, you know, and uh, of all that was quite painful because I was... Uh, spent my whole life in looking forward for the next game and suddenly you have to look back. But uh, I arrived at the stage of my life where I thought if I don't do it now, I had time. If I don't do, do it now, uh, we never do it. Then I thought, okay, let's do it. It was painful. When you write books and you get to the point where it's nearly finished and you almost have to press send or hand over your manuscript and there's a point where you can't do any more with it. Did you reach that point where you thought, I'm happy with it. This yes. is my life. Or <laughs> I, I, I was never happy with what I wrote, and uh, I, I think uh, I, I, I was not too much concerned by the way uh, I wrote it, but the more by sharing what I think was important. The first, I wanted to reach two targets. The first was to explain to people, no matter what your childhood is, life can be bigger than your dream. Mm -hmm. You know. And the second thing is to share a little bit what I've learned from human beings by working with them at the top level for the, in sport and outside uh, sport. Did you wrestle a bit with what to put in and what to leave out? Yes, of course. It's, uh, I, I, had, uh, I could have uh, created many controversial stories that would have interested people, but I didn't want to go into that at all because I wanted uh, just to make a book that was optimistic and uh, that uh, reflects uh, who I was in my life because I never could... Uh, I, I think the optimism took always over and the, the job of a manager is basically a guy who believes in human being, you know, because you put your destiny in the hands of some other people and you say, you can do that for me. And there's nothing to do with intelligence. Just if you experience that in a negative way, if you're a control freak, don't do this job, you know, because uh, uh, when you don't uh, completely decide what's going on, on uh, of your destiny, you will be very negative with people. When you've got your life or your job in the hands of other people like that, it must be quite difficult because obviously you have ideas of how things are going to work and then human nature takes over. It doesn't always work the way you want. How do you stop yourself from getting upset with players or from getting frustrated? Well, you don't stop yourself. You're always frustrated, you know, and uh, you're always angry with somebody and uh, are not happy with somebody. But as well, on the other hand, we forget that sometimes uh, people surprise you positively as well, you know, and uh, they go much higher up than you think uh, they would. They uh, play much better than you think they would. And uh, we take always the credit for people who perform well, but we don't want to take uh, the blame for people who don't play well, you know. You, you spoke a lot about the concept of resistance to stress as being vital in management. How do you, you know, it's something we could all use in our lives if you can develop resistance to stress. Is it something you have? Is it something you can gain? How does that work? I would say you develop it as well. Be when uh, it's difficult if you start to be a manager at 50 I, I'm convinced that it's uh, nearly impossible but if you I started at 33 years of age so at the start I was thinking I will never survive in this job you know because I took it so much serious that uh, 
I suffered a lot physically. I even threw up sometimes after game I lost. But uh, maybe you adapt. And uh, the fact that I survived until uh, 70 means my body slowly adapted to that, kind, that level of stress. Presumably players also need resistance to stress in the modern, modern age, especially. Have you had uh, experiences of some players who maybe couldn't do it? You have players who cannot express their full potential because they are inhibited. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, when you are a player, basically you need to see, say, uh, I walk out there in front of 60,000 people, I will show you how good I am. If you think, I walk out there in front of 60,000 people, but I'm scared, I'm not good enough, I wish you good luck, you know, because uh, that's uh, not the best way. And you lose people for that, uh, more than you think, you know have that insecurity and uh, basically uh, it is part of success and uh, we forget as well if I look back how many people you lose for health reasons it's unbelievable who cannot take the impact or or people who their career has been impacted by injuries you know you want to be a professional football player yes but I can tell you Eduardo, Diaby, Wiltshire, Ramsey, all these people. Maybe because today I think, did I play them too early, you know, and uh, and uh, you lose players or players don't reach their full potential. Today, Wiltshire is 28 years of age. We know all that he's an international level. He doesn't play at West Ham. For why? Because for medical reasons only. So, and uh, examples like Wiltshire have plenty who did not make a professional career mm. because their body couldn't take it. When you think back to that time, and did you, did you feel that there was... It felt like, I know some Arsenal supporters always felt, that people had it in for Arsenal. People went harder, people went tougher. Yes, of course. And it was encouraged sometimes by some medias. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, you didn't fancy it, they kicked you, you didn't fancy it. Mm. Yes, but the, you have to respect the rules. And uh, I, I believe... Uh, this today I see people send off. Before it was not a, not even a yellow. It was a, well done, my friend. Uh, it's not even free kicks, you know. But uh, that's one of the things that VAR brings as well. I must say, when you look life at it, sometimes you don't see that the guy stands on your feet. Mm-hmm. You see it on slow motion. You see it did stand on his feet and left really pushed, you know. And today that's punished. Did it drive you mad sometimes when you when people you know that oh you don't fancy it and there was some horrific injury? Yeah, I thought uh, I thought it did drive me mad and I thought it was completely unfair because when a guy of twenty eight kicks a boy of eighteen and uh, on top first you think that's not right you know but on top of that uh, you, you don't fancy it no I don't fancy it I'm sorry. <laughs> You've said a few times this lovely story about when you go and meet God and you say, what did I do with my life? I, I tried to win football matches and it's not as easy. If you get up there, um, do you think there's football up there in heaven? I hope. Because uh, I, I will ask God, uh, where is football, in hell or in, uh, in heaven? If it's in hell, I said, let me go down there then. <laughs> If it is in heaven, or let's put it another way, if you could um, design 
redesign football with all the good stuff and, and you can get rid of everything like they don't fancy it, like, I don't know, trouble with agents, like having to spend a bigger percentage of your time in discussion with media or this or that instead of on the training field. What What is your dream football if you could create a vision of your of the of fantasy football for the dream the dream is that everybody uh, has an exceptional skill the ball has to be the friend of everybody so that means uh, but no matter it where it comes from it has to be welcome and uh, so once everybody has that mastery uh, of the technical level then you can express uh, your qualities so at the moment, we are far from that. Believe me, I watch Premier League and uh, it has become more physical, but not more technical. And uh, I, 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 and I saw that already when I had former players like Pires in training, were technically above, you know. And uh, so, of course, you have... Uh, and the second trend is that uh, creative players, because of the last trend in the last 10 years has been more physical and creative players have been kicked out. It has been as well more compact teams and less room to express your talent. So uh, that means the physical physical approach has been much more dominant and uh, you have creative players and be kicked out of the game. And we have an example at Arsenal. Just in terms of trends, uh, something that I've a lot of people have, I think, wondered over the years, myself included, maybe. There was such a fascinating period, it maybe coincides with the moment you talk about in the book after 2006, 2007, when you had a, a tough time and, and a burnout and then kind of went again. Around that period, it seems like Arsenal went from having older, more physical, more bigger, more athletic, as well as being brilliant players, to more technical, smaller, nimble. Yeah, the, the, yeah. The, the, the build of the team changed. You're right, you're and right. some people maybe would say, if you know how it is to go out on the pitch with 11 guys with huge charisma and you know big stature, why did you go the other way? Look, uh, if, you, if you look at my career at Arsenal, it was, you can have basically three periods. Mm -hmm. The first one, when I arrived, I inherited a monocultural English team of 30-year-old uh, players. Uh, there were, this was the time where the Arsenal players played for Arsenal for their whole career, the Man United players for Man United for their whole career, the Liverpool players for their, Liverpool the whole career. And in every club it was like that. It was little moves. There were fighters, there were good players and they were ready to fight for the club because it was their life. Then we moved slowly to a multicultural team, but there's still an influence of the former English players was strong, but the Vieira, Petit, Overmars were the first guys who came in, you know, and uh, this was a good mixture. Then uh, it became more and more foreign influence. In 2006, we moved into the stadium new stadium at the Emirates. Mm -hmm. So that I, I already was there for 10 years. And 2006, I speak about that in the book, was my regret is that we could have crowned the spirit of the Champions League win, you know. And uh, unfortunately it didn't happen, but uh, I never will digest that we had to play with 10 men against Barcelona. 
but it is, uh, you have to accept it. Once he moved into the stadium, we had limited resources. At the same time, we had Man City coming in later and Chelsea, who came in and uh, with huge finances, and they both were our players. And while we had first players who never moved, we had players who moved after nine years, eight years, like Henri Vieira, moved away somewhere else. And I replaced them with younger players because I thought that's the only way I can compensate. And uh, uh, so we were, it was not deliberate to buy players who were less strong. It was just that the good players we found, like Fabregas, uh, were smaller and uh, less physical. So at the moment, Arsenal has, you've spoken a little bit recently about um, using the expertise of, of players or of managers or whatever in the game. Um, Arsenal has three of your old players now in important positions, Mikel, Edu and Pear. Did you see special qualities in them? I would say not more than in others, you know, and uh, uh, they just, uh, the timing was right because uh, I think uh, you take the Adams generation uh, playing the, the bold of mm-hmm. Keon, they had qualities, or Dixon, or to Winterburn, they had all qualities to be manager or coaches, mm-hmm. but uh, they decided to go another way. Arteta was highly focused to become a coach, mm-hmm. and he had already been uh, uh, passionate when I had him as a player. I made him captain, because that was for a reason he had an influence on other players. but. Uh, after that, you have to learn the job, and he learned the job, mm-hmm. and that's why he got it. The advantage is he played for Arsenal, so he gets straight away in a very high position. If you're a normal guy, coach, you have to work first for 10 years to get uh, there, you know. So he started straight away in his position. Mertesacker, yes, was already could see the qualities to be an educator. And uh, I do. Edu had this job in Brazil. And uh, I, uh, that's why certainly has been selected. Just one thing that I was thinking about, Edu, I remembered talking to him once and he talked about when he first arrived in England and he had a personal tragedy and how tragedy. for those early, early times, you, he called you a father figure that you spend every day, first question, how is your family, how is everything? Mm. Um, I'm interested just in that relationship. You always had, I think, a, a, a way where you looked at the human before the sportsman, which I think is not what everybody does. Um, do you think in some ways that that's one of your greatest strengths, but also it can be a vulnerability? Every quality is a vulnerability. can be, uh, you know, if you, if you uh, are loyal, it can become, uh, you stay too long. If you're stubborn, it became, can become stupid. Uh, at the end of the day, that's all, only decided by uh, your results and by your style of play. But I thought I always approached a, a player as a global human being, you know, where everything interferes, is connected. And uh, if you want to, to know people, you have to meet people. To meet people is to ask questions about them, you know, to know really what is this guy really about, what is uh, behind there. Or, or you just treat him like a machine, he comes in and he has to produce. But uh, that's not the way. I see people, I'd always a part of me was an educator, you know. It's a strength, it's a weakness as well, but uh, it's the way I approach the job. And everybody, you, 
approaches the job in his own way. But uh, it's like I was, and uh, I think when I look back, uh, I think, yes, it's me. It's uh, uh, the loyalty as well, because I was the longest-serving manager at Arsenal, but I was well the longest-serving manager in Monaco, you know, in the whole history of the club. And uh, you cannot deny who you are really, deeply. If you could have your dream dinner party around this table for all time, from all the people in the history of football, alive or dead, who would you like to have in your dinner party? I don't know, honestly, because I think uh, sometimes uh, the evening uh, at the dinner takes off and be, is marvellous and it's not necessarily known people, you know. It's, uh, and sometimes you have fantastic people at the table and it's very boring. So. I don't, uh, I just feel uh, that uh, what I like when I go out is to go out with friends, you know, that I know from childhood and uh, I know it's basically a guarantee, but they are not known <laughs> by anybody. And just going back to when we talked about uh, the football in, in heaven and with, is it in heaven and hell and God and so on, what, are there any things that are in football that you really would chuck into hell that you would finish with and think, <laughs> you know? Do you think football would be well, better without? Well, what, uh, what uh, all, all that uh, basically what is not on the pitch. I would say during my stay at Arsenal, uh, the time dedicated on the pitch shrinked, and the time dedicated to convince other people that you are not bad uh, <laughs> uh, augmented. You know. What was and those percentages so towards the end, roughly? Do you think? At the end, I felt uh, the time I had to spend with media was detrimental to the quality of my work. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, I had not enough time to prepare mentally for the training session because uh, you had always more media. I, uh, you, you, spend it, you did spend more time uh, by being persuasive than by dedicating, uh, and dedicating to the quality of your work. And uh, so I would get rid of all that. Let me work on the pitch and uh, and uh, leave me alone for the rest, you know. Because football is beautiful when when you're on the grass with the ball, and uh, and uh, basically that's where I was happy. All the rest, uh, it was more more or less. And the evolution of a, of a, of a game has become uh, the human side of a game has disappeared a little bit and it's more the economical side, the, the media side and basically overall it has gone a little bit from who you are, from who you pretend to be or how you project uh, uh, who, you, who you want to be, you know. And the human side, that's where the magic is, right? Yeah, I believe today a manager has to be camera conscious, you know, and uh, uh, that is uh, much more difficult for them as well. I'm sure they don't like it. It's a price to pay that uh, we take the rewards. But if you ask me, uh, you know, football is popular as well because of the media. But uh, if you ask me, I, I came to football because I like to be on the football pitch. And the time that we have, uh, we have sold a little bit our soul in that, you know, because we want, we want always more money mm. and to get more money uh, we have to give more to the media. Mm. So we have gone into a, into a vicious circle that it will naturally eat more and more time. Mm.